What's it like to be the dad of seven kids, all of which you've delivered at birth, and balance work too? Find out how it's done in just a moment. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Jim McKenzie. In addition to being a devoted husband and father of seven kids, Jim has a successful career and is the founder of High Achieving Dads. Jim, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Uh, thanks, thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Let's keep true to tradition as much as we can and start <laughs> off with a dad joke. So, Jim, what's your favorite dad joke? It's one that my, my kids always say reminds them of me, and it is, hold, hold on to your horses, why are skeletons so calm? Mm. Because nothing gets under their skin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they, they always think I'm very mindful about how I act. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> but, uh, but thanks for, thanks for inviting me on, Jonathan. Um, I, I love what you're doing and uh, fatherhood challenge just really sums it up. Did you ever feel like being a parent was just too overwhelming and you were just out of your league being a dad of seven kids or how did you overcome that mindset? Um, I absolutely didn't and it's a it was an odd um journey i had because my wife and i got together very quickly uh we were married in three months and then had our first boy nine months later and we we went entirely sort of um intuitively into feeling that's what we were meant to do um have there been times when i've felt overwhelmed it's not really been in regard to the children i think it's with what comes with it you know the the challenges of time uh the challenges of actually being being able to actually spend quality time with them. Um, and, but I think when those moments arose, I thought, well, there's got to be a way to do it. And a simple example um, is that I had, I had a very successful legal practice when we, my wife and I had our first child. And it was, I, I went back to work after, I took about three weeks off, which was unusual at the time. Um, but I had to start going into, the, into my office again. And uh, I felt, I got the blues. I got postpartum blues and realized that um, that had to change and change quickly. Um, so really against the grain, I thought, well, let's just move the practice to home. Um, and so I sold the building and within four months we were installed in my house, uh, which was something that people, so I think in terms of overcoming challenges, uh, I think it's, it's A, sorting out what my, my, my priorities are and be finding a solution and some things have to give. Uh, it, it hurt my income for a while at the time. Um, but the gain I got was that having an incredible bond with my, my boy that I could be there. I saw clients with him on my lap. Um, it was, uh, it, so I think it's probably finding a practical solution to those challenges and there's, there will be a cost, but, but weighing that cost against the benefit. You said that you went through a, postpartum blues. Yes. There's this image out there that postpartum depression is something that only women go through after birth. So yeah. you're telling me that you've actually lived it as a father. Yes. And it, um, I mean, it affects at least one in 10 dads, um, usually undiagnosed. 
Um, and in me, it manifested that I've, I literally, I, I had to sort of be working one minute and then I would be by myself and I would just plummet. And I'd never really sort of been like that. Um, I've always been pretty outgoing, you know, willing to get on with things, but I found my motivation just fizzled away. Um, and I, I dealt with it quietly at the beginning, by my, tried to by myself. And then I thought, well, I've just got to be honest. I was feeling with my wife and we hadn't known each other very long. I mean, we'd known each other for probably six months in total before we got married. So it was a big thing to open up to. But I mean, I think probably what helped me overcome it more than anything else is realizing that I could communicate those type of emotions for the first time in my entire life. Um, and it was scary. And also, the, I mean, even now it's not necessarily, like you said, it's not necessarily acknowledged um, that men do go through this. At the time, there was no acknowledgement that men go through this. Um, but I figured it out for myself because I thought I've never been felt depressed or demotivated in my entire life. Um, and so, but my wife being my wife, she, she was prepared to hear me out and, it took it took a couple of months to really get back to balance again um when um i could spend all the time with her and, and my son um so so yeah i mean that's that's when i thought well yeah and i spoke to more uh, part of my practice was a family practice so i dealt with a lot of divorce and child and custody cases um and speaking to parents i raised it with them and realized that um you know their behaviors had changed once the the, the baby was born and uh, so to this day, I still look for signs of it in, in the new dads I, uh, I coach and speak to. It's, it's a thing. It really is a major thing. That's why I wanted to really zero in on what you just said, because it's really important for other dads out there, especially new dads, to hear that other men go through this. If you're experiencing the symptoms that you just mentioned, that you just described, it's time to reach out. And it is not a matter of shame at all to step up and admit, I'm not feeling well. This isn't me. This isn't my normal self and I need help. And I think, I mean, I have so much ex respect and I applaud that you stepped up and you had the courage to actually do that. So it's, it's, it's so important for other men to hear other men go through this and ask for help. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. Um, the, the 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 saddest thing is that I've seen that um, in in various groups that I've joined and seen social media groups for men and dads that men have really been dragged over the coals when they've said, "Well, you know, I can't cope." And there's a, there 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 there's still an element of men who will just say, "Well, you should just man up and get over it. You've got you've got a family to support and look after." Granted, we have that, but. How are we going to do that when we're feeling depressed? I mean, I, I knew at that time I was still able to function, but not on the level that I was used to. And, you know, you have to sometimes accept that you can't. You can't be that person who can has all the answers and is able to, to really solve those problems without help. Um, there's no shame in it. And then to anybody who's listening, um, don't, be, don't be bullied because it is bullying. You know, to not acknowledge those feelings are valid, it's bullying. It's not new age foo-foo, it's not hippie nonsense, it's real. And it will affect your relationship with your wife and with your son. And women have, you know, they, it's, it, that's acknowledged that women do get postpartum blues. They have chemical changes. 
Actually, new dads have chemical changes that cause it that cause this, and physiological ones, mental ones. So do not be bullied into uh, hiding those feelings. The more you talk about them, the closer your bond will be with the new mum and with everyone around you. Absolutely. You're very much involved with helping out at home and actually being a partner to your wife. <laughs> For some guys, this can be a tough one. So talk to those guys, please. So I, I figure that we go through the whole process of, of creating a life, of then becoming a dad, and then raising these children. Um, I, the, if you're not going to be involved in your family life, you're going to miss out on so much. If you're not going to put that first in your life, you are going to miss out on so much. The, uh, I've been a dad now for <clears throat> 26 years. And my, my oldest son can still remember times when he was one or two when I had those horrible nappy changes that were really exceptionally bad. <laughs> and he still <laughs> remembers me always being the one who would clear up the mess when they were sick. And I, I had I just, you know, I, I took, a, I, say, I said earlier, I took a financial hit to change my life initially. And I would never have changed that because you get one shot at this. Um, and to build a great relationship, I've always, my wife and I always say that we have more fun sort of going into the department store, going to grocery shopping and having a chat and walking around and enjoying the time together with the children than we do than having a holiday. You know, we, we always say we kind of find that moment every day when it feels like holiday, even if it's chores, you know, if it's cleaning the floors or, or washing up, turn it into an experience. And the children do that instinctively now. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll do their, their bit and do the clearing up and they'll call me over for a chat because I've been there. Um, so don't, don't miss out on it because it really, it breaks my heart when I do come across dads who said, oh, I wish I'd done what you did. And that's not to say I've got, you know, I got it right. I did what was right for me, but there are fundamental things that you can do, even if, you know, you are particularly career oriented or you feel clumsy or you don't know how to open up to your kids because that's how you learn it. It's a practice day to day, um, night and day. And if you, if you put the effort in, the benefit is absolutely endless. Um, and that's, I will talk to you about that all the time. I will talk to you how to model your life and routines in order to get that benefit. That's what I do. That's what I've learned. I've applied what I've learned and in different situations for different men in, you know, whether they travel, whether they have to, you know, be away for absentee for, for months to work, um, or whether they're, you know, separated from the mum. There are ways to do it. Um, that's what I do. So if you need anyone to talk to, talk to me. Three of them have said without any compulsion. I mean, the youngest is just um, just turned ten, and he says, I, "I can't wait to be a dad." And I said, "Well, hold on, you've got some time yet." But he said, <laughs> "You have such fun." <laughs> and wow. I don't mean fun in just the you know playing and, and kicking a ball around and stuff, but but just you know clearing up their toys to you know with them, yeah. And just sometimes, I mean, one of the, a quick tip I think was when um, when I did have to sort of you know I'd have trips I'd have to go to court and I'd make sure I'd drive home for you know even if I was away I had to drive 200 miles to court I would drive home and go back the next day um, and I remember one occasion I drove back and I think yeah I had two had two children at the time I got back about seven o'clock in the evening and they wanted to play and I was tired I was so tired uh, they were only about three and two years old and I remember sitting and I, I thought okay I'll just go and sit in the room 
and I was sitting there and they, they get, you know, most of the time kids make up their own games and you're not necessarily involved in it, you know, but I mm-hmm. murmured a few things, some of the action figures and I was, I, literally I was delirious. But that's one of the times that my, my boy remembered. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, even if you, you can be in the same room and read a book, but if they're playing, especially when they're young, they remember you as being play daddy. And I was not play daddy on that, play daddy on that day. I was semi-conscious daddy. <laughs> but he, he reminded me of that a, a couple of weeks ago, um, something I'd forgotten about. And um, as they get older, you'll find that when they mention those, those memories to you, it's absolutely golden. Jim, this is the part we've all been really waiting for. You delivered all seven, all oh, yes. seven of your kids. <laughs> Yes. There has to be an amazing story in those experiences. <laughs> what, what is it? Oh, boy. Yeah, they were all eventful. Um, the one where I'm actually the birth attendant. I mean, they've all been born into my hands. We've, we've always used midwives. Um, and basically, the midwives have realized that my wife and I worked very well as a team, in fact, better. Um, so they would talk me through how to deliver. And, you know, intervene as need be. But basically, at the moment that, you know, the baby's coming into the world, there's me. I've done the catch. Um, I've cleaned the baby. I've cut the cord, you know, that type of thing. Um, The most eventful one was um, the son who turned out to be called Jim Jr. That was was not my choice. It was my wife's idea. And the reason for this was that um, we were, uh, well, let's see. I think we were living in a very impoverished state. Right. I mean, I had to borrow money to pay for the midwife. Um, but one thing we did do is we exercised a lot. So my wife exercised all the way through to the pregnancy, including the day of the birth, vigorously with kettlebells. Um, she insisted on exercising that afternoon in this this uh, rundown house with very little air conditioning. And we we're in Florida and it was hot. And she said, oh, I don't feel too well. And we were already two days over the few days. Um, so I said, shall I call the midwife? And she said, no, 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 I'm okay. I checked. We had a little blood pressure kit, so she was perfectly normal and healthy. She said, I'm just going to rest. This was in the afternoon. She woke up and <clears throat> she said, um, I don't feel too well. And I said, that's normally a sign your baby's coming. I mean, Jim Junior was number six. Um, I said, I'll call the midwife. She said, no, no, if you call the midwife, I tend, and this was true, she tended to slow down and you know, the, the birth would become protracted because she just got performance anxiety. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, that, that's all good. I called the midwife anyway. We spoke to them. She said, you seem very lucid. It's okay. And I said, I'll keep an eye on it um, and call you for contractions, speed up, etc." So we were sitting on the bed and she said, oh, yeah, I think I just need to go to the bathroom. She got off the bed and then this big contraction came. And I thought, okay, showtime. And she got two feet off the bed water broke all the kids were in the other room watching tv and i said well uh, okay we're doing this now you know i didn't even have a washcloth <laughs> there was no wow. plastic anywhere i mean this was, this was you know out in the wild <laughs> and the delivery took 15 minutes into my hands um and we were playing twister in this tiny little space next to the bed in between there and this bathroom in this tiny little 1950s house um and um, and Jim Junior's head popped out, and I looked at him, and I remember saying, "It's you and me now, buddy. We're going to do this." <laughs> and I was covered in amniotic fluid, and you know, we got him out into the bed, played Twister because there was literally no room to move. 
Um, and um, in the meantime, my oldest son had called the midwife and uh, she came hurtling over and we were sitting on the bed nice and calm. <laughs> and she was so upset that she missed it because she saw four of our births. Um, but I, but she said, you know, you are a birth attendant. You can do this. You're good at this. So I'm on his birth certificate as his birth attendant. Um, that was that was the proudest one. Uh, my, my proudest moment as a home birthing dad. That is an amazing story. Uh, it took me, and I was so interested in your story because mine, while mine was nowhere near as interesting as yours, but one of the things I was very, very adamant about, as in this is not negotiable um, with any of the medical people involved or anything like that, was I wanted the very first human contact that my sons would feel when they came out. I wanted that first human contact yeah. to be the hands of their father. Yes. And that happened yes. in both cases. Uh, it's important that, that the babies have as much skin time on you you know, naked chest to, to skin um, <clears throat> because it really does. In, in, it, it actually has been shown to um, not only improve the bond, but their development. Um, it's, and it brings a very primal, you actually exude a hormone that helps them develop. And the bonding of that is just so important. You know, I mean, as I say each and every time, um, it's been an amazing experience to share and i think it is something to discuss as part of a birth plan um it's more difficult in hospitals i acknowledge that not everyone is as um you know focused on home birthing as as my wife and i um even though i would encourage it because um there's a sad tendency for childbirth to be presumed to be a medical procedure mm -hmm. and you know a good midwife knows exactly to, what to do at the time and there's a good friend of mine um who the first birth was um, uh, was a, a cesarean, and they they were so traumatized by it when they're having a second child. He came and asked me what I thought about having a home birth, and I said, "Well, obviously, get medical opinion, but if you can possibly do it, have a home birth." Um, and having a home birth even after cesarean is is actually not as dangerous as a lot of the medical profession would try and tell you it is. Um, but you just have to be, you know, everyone to their own sort of level and, and comfort level. And to a lot of guys, it's terrifying. Um, but I, I would urge a good midwife will really allay most of those fears that you have. You know, the, the birth plan can apply equally to hospitals. Um, from what I've, I haven't experienced it myself, but obviously I've spoken to thousands of dads about their birthing and um, it's easy to get, to get pushed to the side. Um, but that moment is really important. Um, it sets, it also sets an intention for you to be the equal bonding partner. You know, the night feeds, um, my wife and I, we've, we figured out that, well, we'll just take it it's time to have a chat and to hang out together. <laughs> you know, mm. um, so we, we, again, we turn that into fun. That's been part of, because having seven children, um, if I spent an hour a day with each, I would never do anything else. Um, mm -hmm. Likewise, my wife, sometimes, you know, we, 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 we've moved everything so that we work together, but we still means that we, we don't ha get that quality time that we would like. So when we do have, you know, the, the, when we were raising children, had the, the, the feeds to do the nappy changer to do, we would just sit in the bathroom together while we're bathing the baby and chat, um, make it something positive. Um, and so we, we always call it our time, you know, because we're not going to get me time. 
but we don't want me time. That works for us. I understand other parents want me time. And so I think it's it's better if, if there is a, a clear, clearly defined way of how you're going to deal with a young baby um, and how you, you do need to spend that time together. Um, it, however much you say, well, I just wish I had a bit of quiet time to myself to read a book. There was always going to be books. Um, you can always find that 10, 15 minutes to just sit there and talk to your partner and do something functional with a young child. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't take no prisons on that. If you're, if you're saying I don't have 15 minutes to do it, dude, you're, you're talking to someone who's raised seven kids with a business and there is always time. There are series that I've wanted to watch on Netflix for the last 10 years and I haven't got to them yet, but so what? You know, it's not a sacrifice, it's a benefit. Going back to that moment, that first, those first bonding moments that you had with each of your kids when they were born, what impact did those moments have on your relationship oh. with your kids now? Oh, you know what? I can, if, if I was given a sort of smell test, because I remember smelling the tops of their heads as they were born, and I can identify them now. You know, if, if I was blindfolded and say, which child is in front of you, I would know. Wow. Um, that's how intense it is um, in a really positive way. Um, the other children have also been, the older children have been at the younger children's birth. So um, when we have birthdays, it becomes quite poignant because I get a perspective from my older children of how they perceive what we were doing when the younger children was bo were born. Um, so we tend to sort of, it tends to become a reminiscence. I, I think, well, yeah, I like this, this sort of family history where we pass down through the ancestry. And it means they're very close and bonded in that, you know, they still see each other as those little babies being born. Now, particularly my oldest son, I mean, he's six foot eight, massive dude. And he will still, you know, talk to his baby sister sometimes. She's sort of like, she's 15 now. And she'll say, do you see me like that? And he says, yeah, I still see you being born. And I think, well, he's not even the dad. And yet he has that bond where if she's ever upset about something, he'll just be nurturing. I think it brings out the nurturing side and what in in men in a way uh, which is unique. In that once you once you have those bondings with a, with a newborn, um, really, if you focus on that in those moments when you do feel genuinely mad or you know change the world overnight, and you you can think, well, actually, I've done something that will change the world. I've created this amazing child, and I believe that that. It, it makes the ills of the world drift away, I think, in, in, um, in effect. And the, and the relationships that develop in the young years have just, they've just skyrocketed to something so beautiful as they've got older. And I do believe it stems from being there and um, doing those nurturing things as babies. Jim, you're the founder of High Achieving Dads. What is High Achieving Dads and why did you start it? It is about what is in your head that defines how good a parent you can become. Um, so I started this process of auditing, um, for want of a better phrase, but it kind, of, it kind of evokes what it means. Just auditing where you are emotionally um, and dealing with all aspects of anger, of trauma from the past, um, of communication, of setting boundaries. All of these things were being missed in what I'd, I'd seen with men who had been coached by other people. Um, and then there's this inspector of, well, we've got careers. Um, so how do you master the career and also be a dad? Um, so that's where high achieving dads would sort of, 
um, frame from because I, I looked back on my own sort of long working career and 26 years of being working dad with businesses um, and realizing, okay, audit where you are mentally and what your priorities are. Secondly, um, think about how you prioritize your time given what you're struggling with and then you deploy. So a three-step process to actually get to becoming a better dad. You can't become a better dad without those processes. This, this is my, I'm very ardent about that. That until you've worked out the auditing of your mindset and your emotions and your communication skills and your boundaries, um, those, that equation equals becoming the, the dad you really want to be. Um, so I put it into everything that I've coached and I've done other programs on, on wellness and, and also sort of parenting skills. And I've put it all into one platform called high achieving dads. It's not just for, um, despite the name, it's not just aimed at dads who are captains of industry and executives. It's the same principle. If you're, if you're, you know, just working a nine to five job for someone else, um, the principles are the same. I want to expand it really across across the world if I can, because um, it teaches you time management with priority in order to become a better dad. How do dads find out about more about you and what you're doing and get a hold of you? Okay, well, I am I'm all all in right now. Uh, Highachievingdads.com is the website. Uh, all the contact details are there. Please feel free to go to highachievingdads.com. Uh, the contact details page is very extensive. Drop me an email and uh, I'll, I'm all over it. If you just want to ask a question, we'll get some help. Wherever you see me, just do so. I'm also going to make it very, very easy to find high achieving dads. If you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com. Go to this episode description and look right below the description. The link will be right there. It'll, you just click on it. It'll take you right to high achieving dads. That way you can see everything that Jim is doing and be able to reach out and connect. As we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? The, the challenge is it's time to get, in effect, it's time to get a grip. And by saying that, it's time to get a grip of your mindset. Um, it's time to throw off those shackles that have stopped you from becoming an even better father and a man, husband, work colleague. And by doing that, you'll just get the benefit of being you just have so much benefit of just being the best father that you can be. And so the challenge I'm, I want to put down to any dad listening to this right now is to sit there and just spend the time journaling what your priorities truly are in life. The functional ones, the emotional ones, and then balance them out and see if that fits with the relationship you currently have with your partner, wife, and children. Um, because... We live in very, very difficult, challenging times. You're going to need to adapt. I've adapted what I've done in my life and in my, uh, my fatherhood so many times over the years to circumstances. Um, the more adaptable, the more adept you are at knowing where you are in your mindset and facing up to those and not fearing the consequence of being vulnerable and being able to communicate, the better your development will be. So reach out anytime. Um, I, I've got a ton of resources. I know a lot of really skilled people who tackle things that I don't. But in general, don't suffer in silence. Um, it breaks my heart, and I know that we can make our next generation of dads better than us. 
Jim, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. It has been an absolute honor to have you here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really appreciate all you do in getting out the information to people who need it. And um, it's been a, a real pleasure for me too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.